from the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the 64th, whether a monk ought to receive letters or tokens. By no means does a monk be allowed to receive, either from his parents or anyone else, or from his brethren, letters, tokens, or any gifts whatsoever, nor to give them to others without permission of the abbot. And if anything be sent to him, even by his parents, let him not presume to receive it until it hath been made known to the abbot. But even if the abbot order it to be received, it shall be in his power to bid it be given to whom he pleaseth. And let not the brother to whom it may have been sent be grieved, lest occasion be given to the devil. Should anyone, however, presume to act otherwise, let him be subjected to the discipline of the rule. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. A monk is not only a poor man in the sense of renouncing ownership and of doing without a multiplicity of things in order to attach himself to the one thing necessary. He is poor in this sense, but there is more. A monk freely sets aside the natural right of receiving and giving. This renunciation takes the monk to a much deeper level of poverty, the poverty of the host. The host is placed on the corporal by the hand of the priest. The host is placed on the tongue of the communicant by the hand of the priest. There is neither giving nor receiving, save by the mediating hand of the priest. The mediatorship of the abbot figures clearly in this chapter. A monk is not his own man. All his giving and receiving is by the will of another, the abbot. This radical renunciation of self-determination is among the monastic observances that most closely identifies a monk with the sacred host. A monk's assimilation to Christ, the immolated Lamb, is most clearly manifested in his poverty, in his obedience, in his renunciation of all self-determination. This chapter treats of things, it is true, and I would not want to make of this chapter something removed from the materiality of ordinary life. A monk must, all through his life, and even daily, 
evaluate his use of things. To what extent are things cluttering my life? Have I allowed things to invade the spaces that have been given to me? Have useless things become like weeds choking the good growth in the field entrusted to me? Have many things begun to obscure for me the one thing necessary? St. Benedict warns that attachment to things, a certain affection for things, can turn to grief. And grief opens the door to the devil. A monk can be sad because he is deprived of something that he wants or thinks he should have. That kind of sadness opens the door to the devil. A monk can be sad because he fears the loss of something that he does have. This is the dread disease of the what if. What if this is taken from, from me? What if I am deprived of this other thing? What if I am asked to go without another thing? A monk can be sad because something he held has been taken from him and given to another or placed in reserve. And this sadness, too, opens the door to the devil. <laughs> Much of the sadness in this world is linked to man's relationship to things. Much of the unhappiness of people has to do with uh, their perceived deprivation of something needed or required or desired, or uh, fear of the loss of something or someone, or again, uh, the actual deprivation of something cherished. So much of the unhappiness that we see all around us and that we perceive in people comes from the relationship to things, the whole question of possession. The remedy in our life for all such grief and sadness is the contemplation of the sacred host in all its naked poverty. And from that contemplation, there rises a joy that the world cannot give. And joy closes the door to the devil. The devil uh, cannot set up house in a soul occupied by divine joy. The devil hates the joy that comes from God. But the grief, the sadness that 
comes from a disordered relationship to things opens the door to the devil. Today it's an opportunity for us to contemplate the sacred host, the transfiguring glory of Christ veiled in the sacred host. What we see in contemplating the sacred host is the poverty, the fragility, the exinanition, to use the and-nothingment, to use Mother Matilde's expression. This is what we see. But what we experience is the effect of the transfiguring glory of Christ, concealed, veiled in the sacred host. So today is an opportunity for us to go with Peter, James, and John to Mount Tabor and to expose ourselves there to the transfiguring glory of the Son of God, taking to heart that word of the Father, Ipsum Audite, Ipsum Audite. We are to have eyes only for the transfigured face of Christ and ears to listen to him, Ipsum Audite.